Uh, hi guys, Russell here. I've been thinking about this uh, idea for a while. It just happens I've been catching up with some uh, friends who also lived in Japan in the 90s. So I thought I would just give it to you. It's interesting. Take from it what you wish. But I have a conspiracy theory for Japan's lost decades. And so I'm going to share it with you now. The big thing is I think Japan chose deflation and decline uh, and enacted policies to make that happen. Uh, which is why it's the economic growth is so weird. Anyway, let me give you a brief example.、Uh, so, famously, Simon Kuznets, a very famous economist, said there are four types of economies developed, undeveloped, Japan, and Argentina.、Uh, and for, for our purposes, he was essentially saying Japanese economic history is so different to anywhere else, it's very hard to understand.、Uh, and me, personally, like Kuznets, often puzzled over Japanese economic growth. How is, how is a nation I admire, so organized,、uh, so impressive, managed to have 30 years of, of flat wages? It's, I can't even understand it.、Uh, how can a nation that's so technically advanced be so economic moribund? And for me in particular, like when, in 1996, when I was an English teacher in Japan,、uh, a Japanese colleague said, Oh, would you like a mobile phone? You can have one, equipment and calls included for. 20 bucks a month. And I was like, well, yeah, that's a bargain. I'll do that. So I got a phone, and this phone, I sort of, this is a rough picture of what it looked like. It was better than the, the first Nokia phone I got four years later in 2000. It was both lighter, it had more features, and was cheaper. And so I'm often like stunned that Japan lost so much of the mobile market share. It was such a huge, huge lead. Well, you could argue for sort of mobile technology, you could argue for semiconductors and also for optical equipment, where Japan was light years ahead of the competition.、Um, light years, and they've just lost it.、Uh, and you know, one of the things that really why Kuznets talks about Japan is if you look at dollar nominal GDP for Japan, there is really very, no economic theory that really explains how you can have. Stagnant GDP for 30 years in a developed country.、Uh, there, there's no, it's really hard to find any theory that would explain that.、Uh, almost impossible.、Uh, you know, and just for comparison, if you look at US GDP, straight line up and it's gone even higher recently when the US decided basically to give people more money, get inflation, currency stays strong, so US GDP has even surged、uh, by a huge amount since COVID. Looks like $7 trillion, so more than Japanese GDP. In the last three or four years. It's absolutely staggering. The thing that you can't really see in this chart, but is important to note, is that back in sort of the early 90s, US GDP and Japanese GDP were almost the same size. Now, for my American subscribers, which is most of you,、uh, you'll just see this as a natural superiority, or superiority of American capitalism, because、uh, that's how you see everything.、Uh, that's your model. I get that. But you have to remember, and、um, for my sort of younger listeners, back in the early 90s, the US was terrified of Japan. Even in popular culture, you saw、uh, movies like、uh, Rising Sun with Sean Connery. It's actually a decent movie. It was all about Japan taking over the US.、And、if you look at older films like Blade Runner, there was this vision of Japanese culture、uh, you know, taking over Los Angeles.、Uh, and, you know, so it's sort of. Fear of Japan was evident even in popular culture. Now, my original thoughts on this、uh, was that the reason Japan saw no growth was like the Saudi Arabia of capital. 
So basically, it lent money to everyone to fund their growth. This wouldn't create any growth domestically. And when whoever they lent money blew up, blew up, the Japanese would pull their capital back, yen would appreciate, and deflation and stagnation would return to Japan. This is a great model to explain the sort of safety trade of yen that we saw for a long time. It looks to explain why bond yields in Japan collapsed. And in fact, this model, economic model, is the inspiration for the title of this substack, uh, Capital Flows and Asset Markets. Um, but as mentioned in recent uh, posts, you know, I'm thinking maybe I should change the title to Political Cycles and Asset Markets, which would be closer to what I'm thinking about and looking at the moment. So is there a political cycle can, that can explain Japan's malaise? Well, yes, I think so. And it particularly works for Japan with its consensual culture and close interaction between corporates and governments. So first of all, you have to be aware that losing World War II, and this is obvious, but I'm going to state it anyway, losing World War II was a disaster for the Japanese and the Japanese economy. Here you got a comparison of US at Britain and Japan's GDP. So even Britain, who didn't, you know, didn't have a great World War II either, uh, saw nothing like the collapse in GDP that Japan saw uh, after, or after World War II. So that was, you know, you could, you know, so if you'd lived through that, you would have seen that as a disaster. So in 1980, as Japanese economic growth was surging and they were coming to compare to the US, you know, Japan was becoming a threat again. But in the 80s and very different to the 30s, the bureaucrats and CEOs in charge would have been men who had suffered through World War II. And I think they would have been like, you know what, we do not want to be a competitor to the US. That, that route only ends in disaster. So the first thing they did was agree to the Plaza Accord, which saw the yen appreciate massively. And I'm sure their thinking was, in an export-oriented economy, a surging yen is going to be very bad for, the, for Japanese economic growth, and this should take some of the sting out of the relationship. The problem, of course, is that the capital flows that this one-way trade in yen caused created the mother of all uh, bubbles, which then burst a few years later. But the point of this is that Japan agreed to a policy that would limit their growth. Um, and then for me, another example of Japan choosing policies to limit its growth is its semiconductor policies. So using data from the SIA website, here is American and Japanese semiconductor sales. And you can see you know, Japan and the US were similar sized competitors through the 80s and 90s. And then over the last 10 years, Japan has dropped way, way off. All right? Japan has basically stagnated since the early 90s for semiconductor sales. Um, now, what's interesting here is that Japan was instrumental in the formation of the Korean and Taiwanese semiconductor industries. They supply a lot of know-how. The, uh, the DRAM semiconductor technology is that Samsung uses is licensed from Hitachi. So what I'm trying to say is actually Japan decided to fund its competitors. Uh, this is not American policy. American corporates normally go out of their way to destroy or buy competitors. But the Japanese went and said, oh, you know, we'll fund... TSMC. We'll help them get TSMC, Samsung. We'll get these guys going. Um, and so what you've seen is as Japan has stagnated, uh, Korea and Taiwanese sales uh, have grown rapidly. And if you added back uh, Korean and Taiwanese sales, you would have a single area that was as big as the US. Um, so I quite like this. There's a lot going on here. Um, so what's nice about this theory is that it implies if politics changes... Uh, Japanese economic decline could also change. 
Um, and my read is politics has begun to change in Japan, but it's incremental so far. Um, I also, but I can't help but think the US would really like to have a strong Japan to act as a counterweight to China. Uh, for people who like popular culture, like myself, uh, this type of thinking about how Japan operates sort of fits in with that very famous South, Car- South Park episode, Chimpokemon, where <laughs> the Japanese use anime to take over the US. But every time people get worried about Japan, they go, oh, no, we're very weak. We, 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 you are big man, we're small man type thing. Uh, very in line, to be honest with you, this is sort of very in line with my experience of Japanese strategic thinking. And so I think, you know, there could be something to this. Um, personally, I'm not a huge fan of conspiracy theories. Uh, sorry, Zero Head, you've been a big supporter. Uh, but I still love you guys anyway. Uh, not everything there is conspiracy theory, but it's all right. But even with this one, I'm thinking it's about 70% true. If you're already bullish on Japan, this is a great reason to be even more bullish Japan. Um, because I think Japan no longer uh, politically needs to hide its light under a bushel. Hope that's interesting. Stay safe, and we'll talk again soon. Ciao.